Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the third season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, go ahead and click that subscribe button. We hope that you'll check us out also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok and find out more about content. Of course, we encourage you to also check out the website at rayreynoldsrap.com. We hope you enjoy today's program. From time to time on the podcast, we will use Bible classes and sermons that were delivered at the Somerdale Church of Christ in Somerdale, Alabama, or other locations where I've had the opportunity to speak. And so this particular broadcast is one of those sermons from Somerdale. We hope that you enjoy it. All right, so today we're going to spend our time in Mark chapter 6. And you know, I love this story. We, we actually focused on it last week. And uh, I had so many things that left that was left, you know, on the table, as they say. And so I wanted to share those thoughts with you today as well. So how many of you were here last Sunday? Good. All right. So you probably remember we talked about Jesus walking on the water. And we talked also about how the disciples reacted to it. Now, I love the fact that there are more than one gospel accounts in the Bible. Uh, I often like to hear stories. You're, maybe we all like to hear stories from time to time, and uh, we'll watch movies. In fact, the best movies are the ones you can watch over and over and over. Some of you are familiar. My grandpa used to watch the same old westerns all the time, and I thought, Can't, don't you ever get tired of John Wayne, Grandpa? No, same as he never got tired of Chuck Norris. He could watch Walker, Texas Ranger all day long. Some of you understand. Uh, that's why some of you still watch Andy Griffith on a loop, okay? There's a reason why we love certain story. We get attached to the characters. We get attached to the plot. We get attached to the genre. We will get wrapped up in a series. Uh, we had yesterday or day before Downton Abbey was on again. Misty can't stop watching Downton Abbey. It's over and over. It's on a loop all the time. Why? Because she loves the characters and story. So when you get wrapped up in a story, you get wrapped up in characters, you want to learn more about them. And one of the great things about the Gospels is that we get four perspectives from four different men about how Jesus conducted himself in ministry. So Matthew, we studied last week, and we looked at how specifically Matthew's account deals with Peter. Now, there are often times in the Bible stories that are told from these different perspectives, but also keep in mind that sometimes Jesus did the same thing on two or three or four different occasions. And we'll talk about those as we go through the scriptures. One is in the Gospel of John. Right off the bat, in the beginning, we see he uh, cleanses the temple. And oftentimes we'll say, well, John's kind of out of order. That doesn't seem right. Doesn't Jesus cleanse the temple right before he teaches that final week, the Passion Week, before he dies on the cross? Yes, he does, the other Gospel accounts say. But John says he did it early in his ministry, too. So it, did Jesus do it twice, or does John just have it out of order? Well, you can listen to the scholars on that. It's possible he did it two times. So the story we're going to read today very may likely have occurred at the same occurrence we studied last week, or it also could have happened on another occasion. But the point is, Jesus uses an advantage of a storm and a situation of a great trial to teach his disciples, a valuable lesson. And just like we noticed last week of Jesus walking on the water and Peter engaged in this conversation with him and, and he sinks in the water and Jesus reaches out his hand and picks him up, there are other people in the boat. 
So I want us to take what we learned last week about Peter talking to Jesus and walking out on that water and sinking, and, and take what we learned about what Jesus is thinking and doing on that occasion. And now I want you to picture yourself this morning inside the boat. You didn't get out the boat. You did not step one foot out. Last week we talked about faith on the outside of the boat that we make a decision to walk with Jesus wherever he takes us. And I mentioned there at the last of the lesson that real faith is when you take both feet out, okay? That first foot out on the waves is one thing, but when the second foot gets out, that's real faith. These men inside the boat did not take those steps of faith. No one else besides Peter has the willingness, the desire, the faith to step outside that boat. Now you can say whatever you want about Peter, that he sinks. You can say that he didn't, he had the, they didn't even have the faith of a mustard seed to stay out there. But the fact is there are other men inside this boat that didn't even have the faith to step out with one foot. So what do we know about them? I want us to see in our time together this morning that when the storms appear around us, we have to make a choice whether we're going to let faith be the thing that carries us through, or if we're going to let fear overwhelm us. Why did Peter step out? Because he had faith. Why did the other disciples stay in the boat? Because they were overwhelmed with fear. I heard a long time ago a statement, and I put this on the little uh, uh, preview of our lesson today online. You can't tell the difference between a righteous and an unrighteous man just based on the storm outside his house. You can't tell based on the storm outside of his boat, because every one of us will endure the storms of life. The righteous person is the one who by faith will walk hand in hand with Jesus every step of the way. Now, we just sang in our song, Living by Faith, and we're standing to sit together today, and we're singing Living by Faith. And we are, boy, we believe when the storm comes, we're singing it. But do you believe it? Do you believe the words of the song you just sang? Will you allow, when the storm comes, faith to guide you? Or will it be fear? That's our point this morning. So we're in the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 6. And I'm going to really move through four things real quickly. And we're going to kind of anchor, if you will, on that last point. First of all, what do we know about these guys on the boat? They had forgotten. They needed to remember the mission of Jesus. Jesus, listen now, Jesus always had a plan. God never looks at our situation in life and goes, well, I didn't see that coming. I didn't know they were going to get into that mess. God didn't look at Adam and Eve and say, boy, angels, what are we going to do now? No, he had his plan in place. The Lord knows exactly how to handle the storm of our life. That's why we need to have Jesus in the boat. And if he's not in the boat, we get out of the boat. Jesus always has a mission. What does it tell us at the beginning of the story? It says that immediately, straightway, he put his disciples in the boat, immediately, without hesitation. They didn't pray about it. They didn't ponder on it. He says, get in the boat, I'll see you on the other side. By faith, there was a mission Jesus had in his mind, in his plan, and they just needed to go with it. Now, don't forget that. 
The disciples in the boat need to remember Jesus has a plan. Now, it's emphatic. It says He constrained them. He made them. He told them, get inside the boat. And they do exactly what He says. You see, it's easy for me and you, it's easy for us to follow Jesus when times are good and easy and there's no storm. That's the fun part. But we come over here and we say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And we go down into this water and we get all our sins washed away. And we come out and we tell people, I'm a Christian. I've been covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to heaven. And we live our Christian faith. And boy, that's easy. That's the fun stuff. But when the storm comes, it's a whole lot harder for us to live by faith. Remember the mission of Jesus was to get them across the water. Now, does Jesus know a storm's coming? Probably. Then why isn't he in the boat? Why isn't he with them? Because this is a test of their faith. God has to allow us to be tested. Is that fair? Is that right? Well, it's just what it is. Storms come to both the righteous and the unrighteous. Those that have faith will overcome. Those who have fear will sink. Second thing is, remember who these men are. They were the disciples of Jesus. He knew these men. He knew the disciples of Jesus. He knew them all. He called them one by one. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, right? He knew these guys. So his mission is to get them across. The second thing is, he knows who they are. He knows their names. He knows their stories. He knows where they, he knows where they come from. Now, this is important. Who's on board this boat? Who are these disciples? Most of them, what was their profession? I'll give you a hint. All right. How many of y'all are fishermen? Anybody fish? Good. Some of us try. Say, I can fish. I just don't like to clean them and gut them. And, but you sure like to eat them. The fishermen are on board the boat. Now, how many of you fished in a boat before? Okay. If these guys are professional fishermen, follow me now. Have they ever been on a boat before? All right, you're with me. If they've been on a boat before on the Sea of Galilee, how many of them have been on a boat before when it was raining? Yeah? How many of them have been on a boat before when it's raining in a storm? Probably all of them. They're in a storm. They've been in storms before. Jesus knows these guys. He knows their profession. You see, God knows what you're capable of. It's not whether or not God has faith in you. It's whether or not you have faith in Him. So the disciples are on the boat. He knows who they are. He knows what they've been through. He knows they can deal with this. Man, this, this guy, have they been through storms? Of course they have. They've been through this kind of stuff before. Number three, the issue here is that they're in the middle of this storm, and it's not that they couldn't get through. It's that Jesus sees them rowing. I want you to look at that verse 48 and 49. Man, even though you know your kids can get through something, hello? When your kids are going through something and you know they can do it, you still want to go and help. We will stand at that fence when they're in the ball game 
and we will put our fingers through the holes of that chain link fence and we'll holler at them what they already know to do. Run! They know how to run the bases. Some of them may run it backwards. That's all right. We th- we get, run, hit the ball. What do you think they're going to do? We're really good about telling and coaching the kid from the sidelines on the stuff they already know how to do. Jesus knows these guys. Do they know how to row? Yeah. But Jesus' compassion comes. He sees them rowing harder and harder and harder. And you can imagine in the middle of the storm and the waves are up and down and the boat is tossed to and fro. And he sees them and it is out of his compassion he even gets near the boat. You ever noticed how sometimes your kids, when they see you there, it'll either make them nervous, you know, like, oh no, mom's watching, dad's watching. And sometimes parents will hide because they don't want their kid to see them. And others, it makes them empowered. It makes them feel stronger. So you're unsure as a disciple in the boat how you're going to react. But you really want Jesus there because, you know, Jesus has the ability to still storms and do miracles. Jesus, out of his compassion, comes to them. Jesus loves his disciples. He, He wants to take care of them. He wants to make sure that they're safe. And so he goes to them to the side of the boat. He hadn't forgotten them. Number four, it's not just about his compassion for them. It's the fact that he wants to save them. He wants to save them. It says he goes to them straight away, verse 51. Then he went up to the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure. Jesus is probably tired. He's been out praying It's interesting that he's supposed to be on this island or on this piece of land and he's praying. You know, sometimes when I talk on the phone, I walk. I used to walk a lot when I preach. You know, I used to walk from side to side. I had a little old lady come to me one time. She said, you know, when you preach, you look like a caged lion. And I said, all right, I'll stay behind the pulpit. She says, you move around way too much. So I then I got to a stage of preaching that I just did this all the time. And in my hands, you know, what do you do up here with these things? So when we start thinking about this story, Jesus, maybe if you're on the phone and you walk a lot, and sometimes you're walking around the house and you're thinking, Jesus would pray off alone, it says. And so he's praying and he's just walking. And he's walking along the water. That's pretty cool. That's real cool. Especially in the middle of a storm, which means he's up here and down here. As I said last week, it's like he's surfing on the water. That's why they thought it was a ghost. It's just, where, what is that light? So Jesus is walking along. This is probably 3 to 6 o'clock in the morning before the sun comes up. But you can't see the sun in the storm. And he comes right up to the boat. And it says that at this moment, when he's with them, he gets up into the boat. All right. So it's not just a, a boat that's real... Sh- he has to climb up into the boat... And as soon as he gets into the boat, it says the wind ceases. And and that means Jesus did not waste any time. When you call on his name, listen now, when you call on his name, he is there. In fact, Jesus was already there. His presence was with them. His spirit, he breathed on them. The Holy Spirit was with them. They just needed to see him. They needed to see him. There's something special about someone being in your presence. 
There's something special about having someone you can touch or you could hold on to. Watch children, how they'll run and grab a hold of the leg of a parent. Why is it that they'll immediately put their hands up like this? They want to be held. They want to be touched. And so the disciples want to see Jesus. They want to hold on to him. It's special. And now he's in the boat. He's going to save them from the storm. Here's the last thing, number five. If you don't remember anything else, as we say as preachers, remember this, okay, this final thought. The disciples had forgotten the wisdom of Jesus. Don't you know that God's ways are higher than your ways? Don't we know that God is a loving God who cares for his people? Jesus knew what was coming after the storm. We get caught up in the moment and we want immediate salvation from whatever we're dealing with. But what we forget is the storm we're in may be better than the storm we just left. And it may be a whole lot better than the storm that's coming. When I first started preaching, I had a professor tell me one time, context, context, context. This is not just a storm, not just a story about a storm. This is about trusting in God's provision. It's about trusting in the leadership of Jesus. This is a lesson about faith. You see, what the disciples didn't know is the real storm that was worse than anything nature could bring against them was the storm they were about to face on land. I'd rather deal with a hurricane than a bunch of angry people, wouldn't you? I'd rather deal with nature than have to deal with a horde of people who want to take my life, that want to kill me. These disciples are concerned about the moment, deliverance immediately from some terrible tragedy on sea, but there's still something coming on land. Read the next verse. It says, For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. Now, we didn't read that. What's that about? What's... You see, before they got on the ship, they were dealing with a hungry horde of people. What did Jesus do? Well, he turned the fish and loaves and multiplied them into a bunch. They still had the remnants of the miracle on board the ship. They just left a storm full of people, an angry crowd of people that were hungry. And they're looking around, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We need food. They still had the miracle in the boat. They had forgotten what Jesus had already done. And now they're going to get on land and they got another storm waiting them because they've got angry Pharisees. Keep reading. When they crossed over, they came, verse 53, to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick for whoever they heard he was, to the whoever they heard he was. Whenever they entered the village, cities, or country, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were well. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes, you know, you almost want to go, ooh, 
chapter 7, verse 1, the storm on land is going to get a whole lot more difficult than the storm they faced on the water. John says that in, in verse um, six, chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, those men, when they'd seen the miracle Jesus did, said this is the truth of a prophet that should come into the world. And Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, departed from there alone. So John says there's something else going on here. That in the miracles Jesus is performing and all the good he's doing, now there's a group of people that are saying he's the Messiah, which he is, and they're saying he needs to be king and overthrow the Romans. You see, there's a lot of storms going on at the same time. God knows our situation better than we know it ourselves. Now, I could sit around and, and try to guess. What's God doing? How's God going to handle this? In fact, I like to give God advice, don't you? You know, you go to God and say, hey, Lord, I really wish you'd handle this this way. I really wish you'd deal with this problem. The, the Lord understood. He knew the whole situation. They were actually safer in the storm than they were on land with the Pharisees and the scribes. And you'll see that as the gospel progresses. It's moving from one storm to another. So what are you going to do when you're a disciple inside the boat? You know, the Lord places us in a lot of ships throughout our lifetime. But he starts with his lordship. He puts us into fellowship with him. Then there are relationships. There are marriage partnerships. There's church membership. There's Christian fellowship, Christian stewardship. Make a whole lot of ship references here. But he has to put us in the proper vessel to start. In his presence, we are safest. Where he sends us, if we go, we're safe. Hurricanes and disaster are always waiting around the bend. Storm on land, storm on sea. Matthew chapter 7 says, just be sure when you're building your house that you build it on the rock. You can't stop the storm. You can't stop the weather. You can't control the weather. I'll never forget we had a, a brother down in Gulf Shores once when we had a hurricane coming. The Governor Riley had declared the island be shut immediately and he got up and prayed. He said, Lord, he said, send that hurricane down to Texas or something. I thought, brother, that's horrible to say we want the hurricane to go down to we don't want anybody to be impacted, but hurricanes come. Storms will come. We've just got to trust in our foundation. Now, I want to give some hope to the hurting today. When the storm blows over and we decide to sail in the clearest of waters, no matter how deep, we can still have the same blessings of God. But don't you appreciate it or shouldn't you appreciate it? in the middle of the storm, better than when there's peace? To know that you're not alone? To know that Jesus is watching over your ship? To know that when you're stirring up and you got all these terrible things and you're rowing as hard as you can, He's always there to help you in your hour of need? Don't abandon ship. If you're going to get out, at least walk on the water with Him. We're going to slip and we're going to fall. We have a lot of miserable voyages ahead of us. I'm not trying to make it <laughs> discouraging and sad for you today. There's a lot of miserable, miserable voyages ahead of us. But we've got to let faith be the thing that guides us. I'll close with this final story.
I got food poisoning once when I was, I guess, I was about 15 years old. And 14, 15, we were in Oklahoma at a workshop, and uh, I had never eaten shrimp before, okay? Talk about what you want. I was a country boy. And they had this big old pile of shrimp. Do you all know how to eat shrimp? Hello? You just pop them in, right? I didn't understand what all this shrimp craze was. My grandpa says, man, look at that pile of shrimp. And they got this greasy white sauce that if you dip it in it, it makes it taste better. It didn't taste any better for me. Because you see, the parents sat at this table, and us kids sat over here on this table. And I didn't know that that nasty shell was supposed to come off that shrimp. And they said, well, what, what's this buffet for? It's all seafood, okay? Shrimp's the best. Eat the shrimp. I'm sitting there going, man, this is the toughest, nastiest stuff I ever. I didn't know any better. So we get back to the hotel that night. I am sick as a dog. I'll leave the graphic details there, except to say it was the worst night of my life. My parents were so excited because my cousin had decided to be baptized. So they were all over in his hotel room that night talking to him. Couldn't wait till Sunday morning to get him to a church and get him to water. And so they left me in the motel room alone, in the bathroom alone, and I eventually passed out for lack of fluid, okay? I, was, I thought I was going to die. And I was crying, and I couldn't get up off the floor. Nobody's there. When they finally found me, they put me in the car and rushed me to the emergency room. I spent three days unconscious in the hospital. I was so sick, sickest I'd ever been. But I remember a very brief glimpse of that car ride in between my father dodging cars as fast as he could drive. And I remember my mother holding my hand and praying to God that if anything, she could take some of her life and give it to me. If I could just live. She said, if you'll let my baby live, Lord, please take my life from me. Let him have my life. Holding my hand in the backseat of that car. You ever prayed something like that for your children? You ever felt that way for your kids? If I could just, Lord, if you would just protect them, I'll take whatever storm is coming. I'll take whatever problem. I'll take their sickness. I'll take their broken bones. I'll take whatever it is. If you will keep pain from that child. My mother felt in that moment that pain, that struggle I was in. She said, I want that. I'll take it. And she knew that I was about to go through a terrible week of pain, whatever was going on wrong. And I was in a lot of pain. You see, Jesus, Jesus has already taken our pain from us. He suffered death so that you don't have to face physical death. See, if Jesus is in your boat, if he's, if he's walking with you, you have nothing to fear. Really, fear should never be an issue. Faith is going to stand. It's not going to sink. Fear is what sinks. This morning, if you're not a child of God, know that Jesus has already paid the price. As Steve already talked to us about it through the communion, we recognize today the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He's already died for you. He's already made sure that your salvation is offered to you. All you have to do is take his hand. So this morning, if you're not a child of God, the baptistry is ready. If you're ready to have all your sins washed away with him in baptism, rise up as a new creature in Christ. Live your faith out loud. Don't be afraid to proclaim you're a follower of Christ. That confession lasts beyond here and goes every day of your life. 
And if you are a child of God and you're struggling, know that you have a God that wants to hold your hand and says, I'll take the pain. Jesus says, if you will give me your burden, Matthew 11, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Whatever your struggle is, whatever the storm you're in, just give it to Jesus. Doesn't matter what you're dealing with today. We're all sinners, we all make mistakes, and we're all going through different things and stages of life. Thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. Follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. Also, if you'd like to suggest a topic for an upcoming broadcast, or if you'd like to email me a question, or if you have a prayer request, you can send that to rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day, and may the Lord bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.